Hi guys, welcome to the new episode of our video series on fundraising and valuation. And today I want to talk about how to craft your story, which is how to create a pitch deck, right? Uh, the reason why I'm doing this is because I've been basically doing PowerPoints and presentations for the, part, the good part of the past four years. Uh, I've done fundraising uh, presentations, so the famous or infamous pitch decks, as well as sales presentations. And I realized that there are a lot of things in common. Uh, there are a lot of principles that you can, um, you can apply to both of them, but of course the audience you're addressing is different. And as a consequence, there are different ways to get to your result, which is in one hand selling and the other raising capital. Um, so how to go about that? First of all, um, I want you to think about what is the key goal of sending a pitch deck. And when, when I'm talking about pitch deck today, I'm gonna refer to a set of slides that clearly summarize and define your value proposition, your business case, and why the investor should give give you their attention. And there are you know, some elements that they wanna see and they're very, very clear. They can even be found on the website. So you know, uh, I spend like a lot of, you know, a good part of my time researching that and practicing that. Uh, so today I'm gonna like break them down into the key elements that I think should be in there. Um, I'm also gonna uh, elaborate a little bit more how to expand those slides uh, or what not to include in, a, in, a, in this kind of pitch deck. Uh, but I'm gonna tell you a bit more later on. So first of all, what's the first and utmost importantly uh, goal of any pitch deck is to mitigate risk perception, meaning that an investor should feel like they wanna talk to you because they're missing out if they're not talking to you because you, you are uh, on such a hot venture that you know, they cannot possibly miss out on that. Risk mitigation, they should feel like you know, money can just enter and get out like as easy as possible. And the pitch deck is all about solving this perception or risk, everything or any red flag that may uh, give them a reason to pass on you. You have to keep in mind that uh, regardless of, of them being angels or VCs, for VCs it's even uh, more extreme, I would say, but they receive like tons, tons of decks. They give very, very limited time of, uh, of their attention. I'm talking about one minute maybe. That's why you need a, a format of the presentation you're gonna present uh, that covers the key elements they wanna see because they think all in compartments, right? So they're gonna uh, compare you with other deals they've seen and they're gonna think in really as a checklist in their head. So you need to cover that. Uh, but what I'm not gonna do is telling you exactly what to include in each and single slide uh, in terms of the formatting, in terms of the elements. Um, and I'm gonna even tell you why. Um, I became, or I grew increasingly dissatisfied with the templates out there because they tell you you should present your company that way, you should present your company that way, you should include this in the slide, uh, the other thing in the other one. Uh, it's all kind of structured even too much, in my opinion, it's, it's not flexible enough. And this makes your presentation and your company like just like anybody else, right? It feels like the presentation becomes very, very mechanical. Uh, you don't want that. So what I want you to, to, to do is not to think in terms of templates, but to think in terms of principles, in terms of the message that every slide or every part of your deck should pass on to the investor. And, and I'm gonna break down the principles of that. I'm not gonna tell you in the details what and how to include that. This is up to you. That's where your uh, experience as an entrepreneur should 
uh, come out and that's where you have your opportunity to shine basically okay so before we uh, describe the process let me tell you how a traditional investor that is used to receive like a large inflow of, of decks uh, would look at you at your own deck so he receives an email assuming that he's gonna be able to to look at it uh, you know this doesn't matter whether um, you were introduced or you were just cold emailing him in other case you have very very limited attention span and this attention span is probably like 30 minutes uh, sorry 30 seconds uh, plus another 30 seconds for the rest of the slides meaning that the first two to three slides are where you either win or lose your investment. If you think about that, it's a like very, very short amount of time. And this is why after the first slide, which is like the logo, you know, the opening, um, you can have maybe like a, a very, very short description of what you do. Uh, for instance, if you take Equidam, Equidam is online business valuation. That's maybe what you can include below the logo, but nothing else. Uh, in the second part, in the, the second slide, then you should depict clearly what your business is all about the business description you should say um, why what's your your reasoning for existing uh, we will not dive yet into the details of the problem solution that you're solving that comes later but from this slide where you have the the peak of the investment attentions he must understand the all flow everything that's going to come after that slide if he doesn't get that then you're going to lose him halfway or even before that that's a hundred percent i have like plenty of experience with that and it never works uh, they will always miss some of the parts you know they are in slide even eight or nine if they do not get exactly what is coming before reading those slides so in this part focus on giving them the the full picture in, a, in the simplest and most straightforward way you know make sure that they get it one way to to do this is also to uh, and it's actually a way that I, I'm a big fan of uh, is to describe your business as you were describing it to uh, to a customer what's the reason behind that well if the investor sees and understands exactly why and how and uh, for how much let's say a customer would pay for your service would buy your service then he gets everything else, right? There's nothing else to understand. At the end of the day, we're talking about business. So uh, try to, you know, even like, as you were trying to sell to a customer, just say out there, okay, we are offering business valuation services for companies that are in the process of raising capital or uh, buying, uh, sorry, selling their business. Simple, you know, like it, it already, already uh, gives a clear image, a clear understanding to the investor of uh, what it is. The second or third slide if you account for uh, um, for the, the, the opening with the logo uh, so I would say the second element that you should include is the famous notorious problem the problem you're solving and uh, you know I don't need you to tell you how to do that but uh, the important thing here is to describe that problem that situation where you as a company are gonna thrive by focusing on the factor of inevitability meaning that that problem is going to be there and somebody's going to take advantage of that no matter whether it's you or somebody else just a matter of who right so if you do that if the investor is convinced that there is a problem there is 
and that there's going to be a solution, the question now becomes, are you the solution? Which is the third element of our deck, solution, right? So why are you the best company to, uh, to, to solve the problem? Uh, you can use, use user cases here, you can um, provide examples with other comparables, uh, but it's very important that you highlight what are the uh, your USPs, if you want, like in in a in a light way, in a way that um, that it, it it seems clear that you are the most direct answer to that problem that you just described. So we just described problem solution, so elements two and three of our deck. Now the investor knows, okay, there is something going on here. There is a business opportunity. How big is that, right? So, and that's where you should include your market size. Uh, there are a lot of theories behind that. My suggestion is to estimate the market size in a way or to, to use the market size that is the closest of, of, um, of, of your product, of your, of your solution. Um, if we take, uh, as I said in another video, if we take the example of a company selling ice creams, uh, we shouldn't take the market size for, uh, for frozen products probably worldwide because it's too big, you know, you should focus on the market you're addressing. So I don't know, for instance, if you are addressing uh, your local market, so what's the size of that market and maybe not for all frozen products, but uh, for ice creams. And maybe if you want to be more specific uh, for, you know, if you're selling only popsicles, popsicles, right? So you can use like different sources. You can use the uh, combined turnover of, uh, of comparable companies that are selling something similar. And you shouldn't be afraid of use of using comparable companies because if you did a good job in, in the previous slide, you, the investor already has a hint of why you claim you uh, you can not reasonably compete with those companies, but probably win the race to uh, to that problem. So now that we have the market size, the natural evolution of that is describing the competitive landscape, meaning that uh, you take the most direct companies that are in your way or they are serving the same market or uh, plan maybe to serve the same market if, if we're talking about something emergent um, and describe maybe more details why you are superior then one of the most effective ways to do that and what you know investors also like is a table highlighting some of the features that in most cases customers want to see uh, and put in the uh, as columns companies that are doing the same with yours, like at the end or the beginning of the, the, of the table, with of course, like most of the features already checked. Meaning that you, and the message that you're giving is that you perfectly understand what the customer wants. Uh, and if you do that, then you, you, you rule the market, right? You're ahead of everybody else in understanding exactly how to make, uh, take advantage of the problem that you're solving and maybe new trends that you described in, the ter in terms of inevitability, these kind of things. Um, it can also be that uh, maybe the company is not a direct competitor yet. It can be more a comparable, meaning that they are doing something similar uh, that in, in, in a market that is similar to yours, they're very successful and you can replicate that success in your own niche, in your own segment, whatever it is. Um, that can be the case maybe for the minority of companies, uh, but it also can be like, can be hard sometimes when it's, you know, we're talking about uh, brand new market that just started out uh, to find companies that already have like a strong um, 
a strong turnover, a strong presence in that segment. Uh, so try to to focus on what really comparable things that investors can identify with, right? Because if you don't have any competitors or any company that they can reasonably think of or do some researches upon, then I'm gonna wonder, okay, is there even a market opportunity? Because like, either these guys are geniuses and chances are by statistics that they aren't, uh, or, um, or simply there's no market opportunity and you don't wanna leave the investors with the, this doubt. You wanna show them that you also did your homework, they're fully aware of uh, what are the companies you can, you can even take example from uh, doing the development of the company. Finally, to conclude the part uh, about asset competition and the market, so the landscape or the environment where your company is going to thrive, uh, you should talk about the sustainable competitive advantage. One thing is saying, okay, today I am superior to my direct competitors in this and this field. Another is saying, okay, how are you going to retain that advantage? You know. Uh, and that can be based on a lot of factors that really depends on your own company, but you, you should make sure that investor does not doubt that uh, you will be able to keep that, uh, that edge over competition. Remember that if the opportunity is as big as you describe it, it's gonna be appealing to a lot, a lot of people and, and there are gonna be either new companies coming in or existing companies just uh, pivoting and investing uh, into the same field. If you ask me, I wouldn't worry about existing companies, I would worry about new companies and their their investors. So make sure to have a good answer here. The, and by good answer, I do not mean first mover advantage. That's really, yeah, it's it's okay, but it, I wouldn't say it's, uh, it's convincing. It can be based on network effects. It can be based on data supremacy. It can be based on, um, on uh, faster distribution to, to new markets uh, or um, some features in the business model that lock your customers in and if they do, they're not your customers then it, they are going to lose that, all the work that, that, that they have already done um, for, for, for your product. So make sure to think uh, what, what is going to give you is going to give you the edge over the future uh, five, ten years time. Uh, because competition is going to be is going to be out there, and uh, you're going to have to deal with that sooner or later. Okay, so now we described what the company does in more detail, the problem and solution you're offering, the landscape is going to move into why you think you're going to be successful in the long term, so why you are an investable opportunity. So you gave all the elements to say, okay, we are we have all our thoughts and plans uh, straight out. Everything is ready. Now they want to know. Now the company, uh, the investor, sorry, really wants to know. Okay, are you, are these the right guys? Is this the right company to invest in? And that's where you need to show your traction. Traction uh, can be based on a lot, a lot of different KPIs, and that, that really depends on uh, on your business case. And this is also one reason why I'm not fond of the traditional templates out there because there are a lot of different business models and especially at those early stages, it can be that uh, a company wants to focus more on one KPI over the other, and that can be different even in companies that are competing on the same market. Uh, there are different strategies, and those really depend on the, you know, on the, the, the gut feeling on the, on the entrepreneurs. Um, so if you describe your story correctly up to this point, then showing the traction is just a matter of 
giving some numbers on the features, the factors that you are highlighted as being your competitive advantage today and most likely tomorrow, right? Um, meaning that it can be, you know, uh, one a very famous KPI can be monthly active users, uh, daily active users, can be recurring revenues. If you are a SaaS model, it can be um, volume on transactions. If you are a payment provider, it can be even volume of transactions again. If you are a marketplace, uh, simple plain customers, revenues, uh, important partnerships, distribution partnerships. Uh, if you have tangible products, uh, prototypes, uh, other things. Uh, again, keep in mind here, it's important that you mitigate the risk, the perception of risk in the eyes of the investor. They wanna know that they are just gonna pour in some capital and you just have to push the ball to make it roll faster. They don't wanna have like, they don't wanna start to doubt, okay, you know, what happens if I, you know, if I invest and, and there's this condition that needs to be met in order for a company to start rolling. You don't wanna, you don't wanna have that. You just wanna give the impression that everything is ready. It's gonna be fantastic. Again, the way you do that, it really, really depends on your company. Uh, try to understand the two to three important KPIs uh, that, that really matters to you internally and also externally possibly, and show what you've done till now, till the moment of preparing the deck uh, to, to improve those KPIs. So now we describe the traction and another slide or another element, which is can be integrated in the previous one, but in most cases, I would say it's better to exclude, uh, sorry, to, to separate, is the business model or monetization strategy. Here you should clearly describe uh, how you're gonna generate capital, right? And uh, that can be that, for instance, your business model is gonna evolve from what it is today to something else. Uh, it can be the case that you are postponing the monetization strategy uh, to a second moment when you have, I, I don't know, maybe more users, whatever it is. Um, but here's is really where you describe not necessarily how you're gonna make money today, but how you're gonna be able to generate substantial capital, substantial cash flows uh, in the future, uh, which is also connected to your uh, sustainable competitive advantage. Um, it can even be the case that you wanna include, um, if you plan to increase your fares, uh, your, your tariffs, your, 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 your prices, um, but here it's very important that an investor understand exactly where you are heading towards. The final part is the, uh, what you're gonna do with the funds, with the capital, right? So uh, you describe the perfect picture, it's a business ready to, to take off what you're gonna do with the capital, right? So the way I like to do that is by making a timeline, highlighting the key KPI, the, the KPIs that you described in uh, the traction slide, and saying, okay, with the capital, I'm gonna grow these KPIs to this level. Uh, I recommend to, to look for a, an horizon of uh, a runway of 18 months. Uh, it can even be three years, hardly more than three years. It becomes like uh, too speculative beyond three years, maybe at this stage. Um, but again, choose one or two KPIs and say, okay, the capital is gonna go to grow this KPI. This is very important because it's clear to understand and it's clear to measure afterward, right? So uh, when you describe the user capital, describe that in function of reaching those KPIs, meaning that uh, if a product is, is not ready, 
uh, you can you maybe want to set like a target okay uh, by this month or this uh, I know within six months the product is gonna achieve uh, is gonna be commercially available and we're gonna start the sales via uh, distribution that can be as simple as that um, it can be that if you have a target in terms of users you want to focus on you know the kind of users you're going to achieve if you have a target in terms of growth of the kpi you can also uh, include that and say okay to grow that kpi by x percent i need to invest uh some amount in marketing uh another part in uh, business development another part in customer support another part in um expansion to new geographies uh highlight the macro categories of of expenditure in the end of the day um, what you should avoid to do uh, and uh, hopefully you don't need to is uh, explaining that the stages that it's gonna take you to for, for instance to finish a product so an investor is very wary of investing in a company that says uh, I'm gonna use I don't know 100k to finish the web the platform everybody knows that uh, websites are never done you know uh, even uber keeps on spending like an incredible amount of, of dollars in you know, improving the website, improving the UX. You know, it's a never-ending work. That's true. Everybody knows it. So why would you say that you're gonna finish the website? It really sounds like you don't even have a website right now. It sounds like too early stage. You know, and there you go with the perception of risk. So also try to gauge your your um, your lingo, your your jargon, to uh, limiting the risk perception. If you are um, ex adding some features to the platform, for instance, you are adding like I don't know Spanish language, right? Do not say uh, adding Spanish language. Say expanding to Spanish-speaking countries, expanding the audience to Spanish-speaking countries. It's the same thing, but it's just the way it's presented is slightly di different, and it gives a totally di this different perception. Uh, finally, the final slide that. Um, I like to include in the decks and uh, that's uh, kind of the, the cherry on the pie if you want is the team uh, investing early stage or uh, it's all about the team so in some cases I would even recommend putting putting the slide even before um, usually this is like a good place you know this is like um, yeah it's really the cherry on the pie before the conclusions uh, meaning that okay we have like this amazing business we have like clear plans clear milestones this, these are the people that are gonna make it. So what investors are looking for in, in teams, they're looking for experience. What does that, that mean? It means that they should have superior knowledge about the company they are starting. That can be from previous employment, that can be from previous startups, in all sorts of ways. So uh, by means of summary, I would say they're looking for uh, field-related uh, field experience, startup experience successful exit um how many years you got you as uh, have worked together with your with your colleagues with your, with your co-founders that's a very important predictor because the more you know each other the more likely you are to uh cooperate in difficulties and to get through uh you know the hard times of building a venture like that um they're looking for uh founders that are not necessarily um young um it can be the case but like usually 
founders that are in the range 35 to 45 are statistically more likely to succeed and this is also because of other factors like you know they're more stable in their in their private life this kind of things and they probably like different goals uh, you know for their lives um, so anyway that's not not really like an important factor but make sure to highlight everything that uh, gives them the perception that you are the best people out there uh, to perform that that venture to execute that venture um, and I think that I forgot to mention is that um, the team should be as cross-functional as possible cross-functional means that even the you know the group that you are right, right now you can already deliver uh, upon the most important elements of building that venture and you can cover the most important fields and that uh, and by cross-function also that you can work uh, with each other in a way that is complementary and in a way that the output is bigger than the sum of the the, the single elements um, so make sure to yeah to, to stand out as entrepreneurs and this is also starts from building like a killer deck like this one uh, finally, finally, the conclusion slide. Uh, do not forget to include the uh, the contact details, phone number, um, email address, uh, even put the the address of the company. Uh, so they also have an idea of the geography. Uh, geography is also a very important factor for them. So like they want to invest in companies that are in their proximities, um, and uh, just include one person. That's gonna be the reference person because if you include two, it's gonna to be too confusing. They want to talk to one guy, one person who is gonna be the leader in their eyes. So make sure that the contact details of that person are uh, I don't know, the CEO or whoever is gonna deal with investors uh, during the negotiation and also after the transaction if it takes place. We made a um, we made a template based on the principle that, that I just outlined and uh, we made it available on our website on agrinal.com as well as here in the description below. So feel free to download it um, and if you have any remarks, I'm really happy to, to receive them. Thank you for listening and uh, I'll see you in the next video.